today on CityCast Denver. Last month, thousands of King Supers workers won pay raises, better benefits, and safer working conditions through a process called collective bargaining. Now, a new coalition of workers at the Denver Public Library, the University of Colorado, Denver Health, and UC Health are all pushing for that same right. This is about empowering public workers, which is about bettering Colorado. So this impacts all of us. They're working with state lawmakers on a new bill to do just that. But Governor Polis apparently thinks giving public workers the same rights as private sector ones isn't such a great idea. It's hard to imagine how someone could oppose this because that's opposing public workers, which is opposing Colorado. Today is Thursday, February 10th, 2022. I'm Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver. Yeah, you want your headphones in your computer if that's possible. <laughs> Which I know sometimes it's hard because our phone headphones and our computer headphones are different. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I can do this. Well, Alex Wolfroot and Liana Kittigan, welcome to CityCast Denver. Thanks. Glad to be here. Hi. Alex Wolfroot is an adjunct professor at CU Boulder, and Liana Kittigan works at the Denver Public Library. So you both are members of the CWA Local 7799, which is pushing for a big change to our state's labor laws at the legislature this year. And this is a pretty interesting group of folks that have come together. Uh, Alex, can you tell me what is CWA Local 7799 and where did it come from? So fundamentally, we are public workers for the public good. And I really am stressing that we are workers part of it because unions are nothing but the workers. The status quo and the current structure is such that without unionizing, without coming together, we don't have the same sort of power to fight for what our institutions need. Um, A brief history of our union goes back to CU Boulder in 2016. Um, I was a graduate worker at the time there. And what we saw as graduate students at CU Boulder was that by working through the system, through the official shared governance, we were unable to make any sort of meaningful change around compensation, around discrimination, around healthcare. And after realizing that for a few years, some folks deeply involved in shared governance and some others, including myself, formed an independent labor union to create this power to make that change. At the same time, workers at Denver Health were self-organizing because they too saw that they could not make the changes they needed through the system. And after a lot of internal discussion and engagement, they decided to connect with us and to build out this public worker for the public good model. Over time, similar thing with UC Health, and we're thrilled that the amazing workers at Denver Public Libraries have recently joined us. And we have one of them on the call, so you can hear from her and not me. (laughs) That's a great segue. Thank you for doing that. Liana, you work at the Denver Public Library. Why did you want to join this union? When I first started at the library, I just encountered this real culture of fear and a lot of toxic positivity um, from management. And it was really heartbreaking to see 
all these people who care so much and give so much of themselves into keeping this space, this public space free and um, welcoming and having as much as we possibly can to bring to people and to have them be so afraid to say what they felt was true and to feel unsafe and not know how to talk about it because they keep they they get shut down or um it was just yeah it was really hard to watch and I was like I don't think this has to be <laughs> I don't think this should be this way there has to be a, a, something we can do and the more I learned about public worker rights the more I think that we do need collective bargaining um like I recently learned that um public workers including library workers don't have um federal OSHA cuz it has to be private employees so um and there's no public there's no OSHA through the state for public workers so we have no one to talk to if we're working under state unsafe conditions wow which is something that I think folks don't think about when we think about a space like the library but it's like any other work environment right you're encountering things that are unsafe. Can you talk a little bit about what that sort of means in the library context? Um, yeah, yeah. So in terms of safety, it's definitely like um, a lot of our buildings are very, very old, which mm. is like really cool. <laughs> but sure. It often means they're dealing with a lot of issues a lot. Um, and when it comes to like being too hot or being too cold mm. or something not working like plumbing not working um instead of having workers stay home they'll try to have them come in and like uh, like use other bathrooms and other places or it's it's just not um it's not reasonable to expect people to overheat while they're working (laughs) (laughs) no not in any work environment and i see what you're saying where it's like if we don't have somewhere to take those concerns you're kind of silenced. This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Wine Board. Because the wine community here is like surprisingly robust. I mean, think about Bigsby's Folly and Infinite Monkey Theorem here in Denver alone. And there are urban wineries all across the Front Range. Then there's the Western Slope, Peonia, I mean, Palisade. Hello, Palisade Wine. Are you kidding me? It didn't used to really be a thing. But from what I hear, it's very much a thing now. There are more than 165 wineries across Colorado to explore, and they produce all sorts of wine that reflect our unique culture and climate. So finding a label that you're going to love is easy, no matter where your adventure takes you. Discover it for yourself and support local winemakers at coloradowine.com. That's coloradowine.com. And Leona alluded to this, but one of the main changes you all are pushing for is the right to do collective bargaining. Can you give me a really basic explanation of what collective bargaining is? So if I have a problem with my job and I go talk to my boss, nothing's going to happen. Um, And that's not anything about my boss. It's just as an individual in a giant institution, there's incredibly little power. Collective bargaining lets the workers collectively sit at the table. And how would the bill you all are working on change things for public employees? Yes. Briefly, what this bill will do is expand basic democratic labor rights to public workers in Colorado, the same sorts of rights that already exist in the private sector. So this will let, for example, 
well, any public worker, if they so choose, could join with their fellow workers to create such a union. And if we do, if a majority of workers in a workplace want this, we can then sit at the table to bargain for whatever we need. Collective bargaining is also critically important to closing racial and gender wage gaps. So it's hard to imagine that anyone could possibly oppose unionization in this bill because it's just straight up democracy in action, trying to give us these democratic tools in the workplace to fight for what our institutions need, be it safer staffing in our hospital, be it better support for our students in higher education or whatever else we're seeing all across the board. Liana, why do you why do you want collective bargaining? What are you hearing maybe from your cohorts at the library as to, to why or how this could be powerful for you? It, it's funny that you um, people think libraries are just like um, very peaceful and easy. Um, yeah, there's definitely really, this picture of this like utopian space. It's really not. And it's it's funny to be such a big part. Libraries mean so much to um, what it means to have an open democracy, freedom of information. Uh, but for library workers, there's nothing democratic about our jobs. Um, it our the structure is very hierarchical. Um, we often are listened to, but that it doesn't mean anything's going to happen about anything, even when it should. Um, we're struggling with um, just not being paid a living wage, and it doesn't matter how many times right now we say it. Um, um, we're being told that it's our problem. Maybe we should seek mental health help um, when really it's, it's so many people across so many uh, different types of jobs at the library. Um, so collective bargaining would mean um, having a source of accountability or the chance to build accountability into our structure um, that would help build trust between us and I think it would make us stronger and more effective um, library for both the staff and for customers it's, it's good for everybody it's mm -hmm. I mean it makes it makes sense on a base level if pe people enjoy going to work they feel safe there they feel heard they're you know what I mean that translates to the folks that you work with every day which I think you're kind of alluding to this, but libraries are, are very, um, they serve so many purposes in community. Thank you for sharing that, like a bigger picture, I think for folks that don't know what librarians do. Um, Alex, when you spoke with my producer before the legislative session started, you said that you were optimistic about this bill that you're working on's chances and that you'd collected a lot of support from lawmakers. But now Governor Polis has come out against the bill. How did that feel? So from my understanding, Governor Polis has only come out against some aspects in some cases. But regardless, I don't, I don't really want to focus on that right now because I don't think that's the issue. The issue is about us, the workers, and what we can do for our public institutions. Um, I'm sure that we can get something across the line that empowers public workers because that empowers Colorado. And as I said previously, it's hard to imagine how someone could oppose public workers having basic democratic rights and protections in the goal of bettering our public institutions. So I think we just keep focusing on 
the nurses who are doing everything they can to get us through, yes, COVID, but through everything else, the paramedics who are picking people up and taking them to the hospitals, making sure there's enough of them to give people the services as quickly as they need, to the people teaching and dealing with so much, especially this last week, as we've seen, um, with people threatening to dox teachers because they did not have a collective bargaining agreement to protect that information. Yeah, I think to me, what I see is like uh, fear from folks in power. Like, oh, we don't we don't want people to work together because when we work together, we find out what other people's situations are and we're you know what I mean? The things that we sometimes keep behind closed doors or personal, we start to share with folks. And it's like when you can when you can identify and, and connect with somebody, you're more likely to support them when they need something. Right. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm like pro union. Hell yeah. I've never even been in a job where I've I've had a union. I worked in retail for 17 years. And hearing this now, I think, oh, my gosh, this would have been an incredible thing for us to have as employees. And so I, this is such a this has been such an eye opening experience for me as we've had this conversation over the last couple of months, too, with the King Super Strike and such. Um, and so across industries, we're seeing labor shortages. And and I even hesitate to to call it that because is it really I don't know, Alex, you're making faces. Tell me what you think about that concept of the labor shortage. So I would say what you're seeing is an unwillingness by bosses and management to pay living wage or give fair compensation. Yeah. Like it's pretty straightforward. Like we keep seeing these record payouts and record profits. So for them to turn around and say no one wants to work or inflation's driving up costs when bonuses keep going up and wages going up, it's the nicest word that's coming to mind is absurd. Yeah. So if you're concerned about, like, especially in the public sector, we need our public sector workers to serve our state. And as Liana mentioned, like people aren't getting paid a living wage at the library and so many others. And given that's not happening enough, unionization is one of these kind of straightforward ways that we can work to change that. So one Republican lawmaker recently told CPR News that his concern over this bill is that collective bargaining leads to strikes like it did with King Supers. And a strike within a public institution could potentially have more negative effects than one affecting, say, grocery stores. So does collective bargaining open the door to people's lives being disrupted in these really essential ways, like, say, if snowplow drivers or paramedics are unionizing? Yeah, so... Public goods are already disrupted. Like, let's be honest. The status quo is disrupting the ability of public workers right now to give the services that we want. Um, And I think if we're not acknowledging that at the starting point, we're just being dishonest. The status quo and the current structure is such that without unionizing, without coming together, so striking is... If it were ever a situation where public workers would even consider that, it's because the boss or management has been harming our public institution for so long that that is the only recourse left. This is not, oh, we want to strike. We do not. Liana and Alex, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thanks for having us.
Alex, Liana, and a bunch of other public employees and their allies will be rallying at the Capitol this morning at 1030 for their collective bargaining rights. Find out more ways to get involved and track the bill's progress once it's introduced at CWA7799.org. And here's what else is happening in Denver today. Starting February 28th, Denver Public Schools will drop enforcement of the mask mandate, which expires on February 25th. The Denver Post reports that all DPS schools and childcare facilities will no longer require students, teachers, and other staff to wear masks, even though children under the age of five are still not able to get vaccinated. Past CityCast Denver guest and overall very cool teacher Tim Hernandez sounded off on Twitter about the mandate expiring. Tim said, quote, I don't give a damn about what DPS slash Denver decides about lifting the mask mandate. In our classroom, we make the decisions that we decide are safe for us. So we will be taking class votes about whether students would like to continue wearing masks in class and follow accordingly. Way to teach those kids some agency, Tim. Keep it up. And some nice news. Denverite reports that Ruby Hill Park's rail yard is open for business again. They will offer free skiing and snowboarding through March. You can also rent snowboards, boots, and helmets for free at the Southwest Denver Park. So it's a great way for beginner skiers and snowboarders to get started. Visit denvergov.org for more information. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell a friend about us, rate the show wherever you get your podcasts, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. Visit D-E-N-V-E-R-G-O-V dot O-R-G. That's what I felt like when I was reading that other one. I'm like, robot, robot, robot.